your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned to learn more about the amazing relaunch of Built Bar and the great selection of protein bars. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. It is officially the new year. I hope you have had a restful holidays. I hope you are excited about the imminent return of the NHL season. We have a 56-game schedule upcoming. We know the shape of Winnipeg's destiny, that it'll face an entirely all-Canadian division. We have plenty of hype building as the season starts to approach, which officially kicks off for Winnipeg on January 14th. And as fate would have it, of course, the Jets will be playing the Calgary Flames, which we all uh, not so fondly remember from this past playoff run where the Jets kind of got steamrolled from injuries and a little bit of uh, misfortune, generally speaking. Hopefully this time Matthew Tuchuk doesn't try to kill Mark Shifley, by accident, of course, uh, because it's always an accident, right? Um, And then, you know, the Jets are going to have a couple of interesting opening games. They have three games to start off with against the Senators, uh, a quick game against the Maple Leafs, the aforementioned game against the Flames, and then they also take on Edmonton. So it's going to be a busy first couple of weeks. They have six games in 10 days, which is a pretty jam-packed schedule. And right now we're starting to see quite a bit heading into this upcoming season with a lot of training camp stuff, some early lineup information, some Patrick Laine rumors and interviews. There's a lot going on, so let's get started and dive into what it's looking like at training camp, as well as a couple of PTO invitees that the Jets have surprisingly brought in in some ways, just because I wasn't 100% expecting Winnipeg to have um, at least a decent eye for a, a pretty decent camp invitee, and I'm talking about Trevor Lewis in particular. They also brought back Jimmy, Oligny, and another goalie, but I think the most surprising guy is going to be Lewis. Trevor, of course, is a, a journeyman uh, fourth-line forward at this stage of his career, and he's been around the league several times. He's mostly played over the past couple of seasons with the LA Kings, and of course, as he started to age out and hit his 30s, the Kings needed to cut cap and figure out ways to start saving money. Trevor, you know, he's not really like a high-end scoring forward. He's more of like a a two-way transition guy with a bit of defensive ability, and I think that that's what you'd be looking for. And when it comes to this side of the puck, I think Lewis is actually very serviceable. Of the guys that the Jets could have invited on a PTO, I actually like the idea of Trevor Lewis. He's a solid penalty killer, he's a decent defensive fourth liner, and again, he's not like a net negative on this team. If he actually makes the squad and gets a decent contract, I think the Jets are going to have a little nice depth option. We're going to be entering a season that's more like a sprint than it is a marathon, and so I think the number of injuries that we could see is is going to be a little bit higher. I don't honestly know what to expect. It could be that maybe it's a short enough season that injuries don't catch up, but I think with how many games there are going to be, uh, you know, every few days Winnipeg's playing quite a few different teams, I think it's going to be a relatively taxing experience because even though some games will have two to three days in between as they travel and go through quarantine processes, they'll also have games that are on back-to-back and consecutive nights with short, you know, breaks in between. So it's going to be a pretty busy schedule. And I think guys like Trevor Lewis, 
would be an ideal option to see if they can, you know, bring in a little bit more injury depth. Or if they show that they have enough chemistry, maybe they actually earn their way to a starting spot. I don't expect any of the other PTO contracts to actually pan out, but Trevor Lewis is somebody that I would not mind getting a longer look. Speaking of guys that I would like to keep an eye out for throughout the rest of camp, I have a couple of names that I probably want to circle more than others. I think one of the biggest ones is going to be Christian Veselainen. I think Vesa is one of those guys who's still a little bit on the outside looking in. I think that what we're looking at with Christian is really trying to find a place inside the middle six. He's one of those players that I think has the ability to be a really potent, you know, even strength 5v5 scorer, even if his ability to drive play is not exactly there. What I'd also like to see from him eventually is becoming a really nice power play scorer. I think that this is something that he's done at most of the levels he's played at, and if he can actually translate that at some point to NHL success, I think that that would make him a really nice valuable asset for this team that doesn't really have like a really strong second unit. I wouldn't say that the second unit is bad, it's just not quite as dangerous and lethal and deep as that first unit. Of course, you've got Line and Shifley and Wheeler and all the other guys on that first unit, so the second unit tends to be a lot more passing-oriented, and it wouldn't be bad to have a more threatening shooter on one of the wings. One thing that did immediately stand out is that the deep pairings have taken on a little bit of an interesting arrangement. According to Ken Weeb from The Athletic, we actually see Morrissey Niku, Beaulieu, DeMello, and Forbert Pionk as the top three pairings, with the fourth pairing is Stanley Sabisa. Stanley is just filling in because of an apparent injury to Tucker Pullman, which has sidelined Tucker for the foreseeable future. I don't think it's going to be too long of an injury, but he is still in recovery. So Stanley has been getting some of the practice reps and stuff, which I don't read too, too much into. What it does tell me is that Dylan Sandberg is probably not going to get much of a look. It sounds like Paul Maurice agrees and has said that, for the most part, he's going to have a really uphill battle to make the team, which, you know, I don't really care for just because I think a lot of us think he's probably ready for, like, higher-end pro-level duty. I think he needs to get reps at a higher level than the AHL. It's not that the AHL is a bad league, don't get me wrong. It's a very strong league, and it's very competitive, and it's definitely a pro-rep system, but I think what I want to see is, is Dylan getting to a better point where he's able to play at the NHL level, and the only way he's really going to get that experience, especially in a faster time frame, is to play at the NHL level first. He's got all of the tool sets and traits that you would be looking for in a guy playing in a top four NHL defense, so I'm kind of surprised that he's not going to get an immediate run out with the team. I think that if he does well enough during camp, he really should be given a longer look, especially if I don't know if there's like a preseason or anything or like exhibition games beyond these inter-squad practice things, but I certainly would like to see him get a bit more of a chance to make an impact on this team, especially given the fact that the NHL has a shortened season this year. And to be honest, you know, I don't I don't really know. I, I feel like Sandberg could be one of those players who would be a surprise addition to this team and could actually make a nice tangible impact. I'm not expecting like the world from him, especially because he hasn't played at this level before, but he might be a more preferable option to some of the other choices. Most intriguing is definitely Morrissey-Niku. That pairing I didn't really expect. I know that they have played together in the past in uh, training camp and preseason, but it is interesting to see them again just because, you know, I think Morrissey is one of those players who really needs like an assertive offensive defender with the puck-carrying ability to essentially take the burden off of him from being the number one D. 
That's not to say that Niku can really do that necessarily, but, you know, Niku is pretty aggressive offensively. He's very gifted with the puck. He's got great edge work, so maybe it allows Morrissey to be more of a safety valve. As a top pairing, if it does stick, it does worry me, at least in the defensive side of things. But, you know, if, if Maurice is maybe leaning towards just cutting the guys free and being a little bit more offensively aggressive and, and looking for more, I don't know, opportunities up the ice, I wouldn't mind this arrangement as much. I do think that, you know, Niku Morrissey is probably not a great pairing, and Bolu DeMello is probably not how I do it either, but this is just training camp stuff. It may actually look more like, you know, Morrissey DeMello and, and maybe, I don't know, Forbort Niku or Forbort Pionk as the second pairing, and who knows who makes the third pairing. I honestly don't really know. It, it can be hard to read the whole situation, but it does seem like both Sandberg and Vili Heinola don't really have a spot right now, and it may not change heading into camp. As we go through the rest of the week, which we are returning to a daily schedule, I'll give you a training camp updates and any lineup announcements as we start getting them in. For the most part, I don't expect too many surprises. What you see is what you get with this team, and I think Maurice is usually pretty transparent with how he likes to arrange this squad. And in just a little bit, I'll talk about what some of the top six units have been looking like, as well as the Patrick Line trade rumors and the uh, recent interview that he just gave earlier this afternoon. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you about the wonderful folks at Bet Online. If you're looking for the safest, most reliable online betting site for all your sports gambling needs, whether you want to make a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or the Super Bowl winner, don't delay in logging on to BetOnline.ag today and creating a free account. We're heading into the NFL's Wild Card Weekend, which means there are plenty of great betting lines for all of your favorite teams, including the Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts versus the Buffalo Bills, and more. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. When you sign up for a completely free account at BetOnline.ag, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. If you're curious to know what the over-under looks like on Winnipeg's upcoming regular season point standings, BetOnline's got the Jets at a whopping 61.5 points. If you think the Jets are even better, don't hesitate to create your free account at BetOnline.ag and get your bet on the over as soon as possible. Or maybe you think the Jets aren't that good and you want to bet the under. Same thing, go to BetOnline.ag and create your free account today and don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are currently updating all of you wonderful Jets fans on the current standings for Winnipeg's training camp situation. But before we go any further, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now it's time to discuss our favorite topic, which is what is Winnipeg's lineup looking like, especially for the forwards? We touched on the defense a little bit earlier and some of the weird training camp pairings that I think Maurice is just sort of, he's experimenting. I don't think he's actually hoping to commit to these yet, but he's had a couple of interesting ideas. One thing we know with Maurice, though, is that when it comes to the forwards, he tends to be pretty consistent. So like, the first line today was, for the most part, Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler. And I don't know if you've listened to this podcast before, or if you haven't, you probably don't know that I don't really like this line. For me, Connor, Shifley, Wheeler does not work. And it really doesn't matter whether you're looking at the underlying metrics for that line or just watching them and trying to get a visual sense of what exactly it is that they do well. 
you'd probably come to the same conclusion that the rest of us have, which is that line just doesn't work. I think that there's too many passengers, especially in a guy like Kyle Connor, who's more of a goal scorer, and Mark Shipley apparently has become more of a shooter himself. So you've got two shooters, you've got Blake Wheeler, who probably needs to have his minutes cut back a little bit, just because, you know, he is getting older and he's having trouble keeping up sometimes. And I think playing a lot of first-line minutes is essentially going to start slowing him down and wearing him down over time, and I think that that's you know, something that he doesn't really want to admit, but it just sort of naturally happens. And he's trying to keep up and he's doing his best, but I think it is true that if he gets his minutes scaled back, it would help him a little bit. I don't know if Maurice reads Twitter or not, because later on we saw Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler paired together with Connor, Line, and Stastny on the second line, which, you know, I, I'm kind of interested by that second line. I'm not 100% in love with it, just because I think that you do have two guys who are not exactly defensive experts. I will say that Line has gotten a lot better and has improved, especially in his defensive awareness and his trackbacks, but he's still, you know, he's more of a scoring winger. It's what he does. Now, here's where things get a little bit interesting. Line was asked a couple of different questions uh, earlier today, especially about his trade situation, and he really wasn't comfortable answering too many questions. He was like, I'm here, aren't I? You know, I'm, I'm just here to focus on hockey. And I think that this is sort of the default response that we'd expect from him. Patrick is not going to indicate either way what he's particularly feeling. I think he still is accepting of a trade, just as he'd probably accept staying around with Winnipeg for at least another season. I don't really feel that the situation is to the point where nothing is completely salvageable. I, I do think that they sort of want to give it a season, you know, if, if not for just trying to find a, a potential match then also just trying to have a good career year for Line where he can really earn a big contract on his next extension. I think that this is probably the most likely outcome of him staying with Winnipeg for at least one more season, just because the Jets really need his cannon of a shot. I think his game is rounding into form as well. He's become a much more productive player at even strength. And I just feel like everyone sort of needs to reassess where the situation is as we approach the summer. I think it's a little bit early to try and trade him unless there's like a slam dunk offer that you have to do now. And the only player I'd really be interested in doing this for is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who seems to be going through a rough patch with Columbus. He just signed a two-year deal to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit just because I don't think Columbus knows where to put him yet. He does seem like he wants out, and if he would accept a trade to Winnipeg and line a trade to Columbus, I'd be interested in the deal there. I think both players would be a fairly even swap. You could do a little bit on either side to try and figure out the right match, but I think that there is some merit to thinking about an exchange there. Line, of course, is Finnish, and I think Jarmo Kukalainen would immediately have a connection to him. The Blue Jackets have inquired about Line before, but of course, I don't think that they were really willing to try and pay the price for him. Now, if Dubois wants out and would actually go to Winnipeg, then, well, you've got a, a pretty decent prospect for trading here because you've got Dubois, who's a center, and who the Jets would actually make plenty of good use of in exchange for a fairly even value winger who can be a, you know, a 40 to 50 goal scorer for Columbus's power play and at even strength. So, you know, there is some merit. I still think that this doesn't really happen until the offseason, if it does happen, just because I think both parties need time to figure out if there's a better option for either player. I don't know. I, I think that there is a match. I think that there is some merit to it, but it, it's something that just sort of has to play out with time. I'm not really jazzed about trading Liney because, for one thing, I have a very personal attachment to him. I love him. I think he's a great player, and he continues to develop into something more than what I think people expected. He said he wanted to be a power forward today, and I think that that is something that we've started to see with his game. He's become a great puck distributor. He's been assisting on a lot of goals, and even if he's not taking the shot himself, a lot of his setup and build-up touches have ended up being great goals from his teammates. So it's obvious that Liney remains a really pivotal factor in this offense. 
I feel like it'd be a mistake to sort of cast him out, you know, before we really see what he's got in, in store for us. I think, you know, there's a lot here that I'm seeing from him, especially in the improvements in his overall game, that to me suggests he can be something really special for Winnipeg. The last thing I'll touch on is, in fact, Nate Thompson looking like he's going to be anchoring that fourth line in the center role, which I'm not really a huge fan of. I would hope that another player, uh, maybe one of the younger prospects or something, gets a longer look there. Thompson, at this stage of his career, is not really a replacement-level center. No matter who he's playing with, whether it's Appleton or Harkins, I mean, it's just one of the situations where, you know, Thompson as a guy, he's a fantastic dude. He seems like a really great person. I know he's really struggled through a lot to get where he is and, and really wants his story to be an inspiration to a lot of people who have dealt with substance abuse and addiction, but... By the same token, I think you also have to look at it as, as you know, as part of a team, what sort of value is he bringing? You know, it's more than just being a really great locker room person and an inspirational story. You do have to meet a couple of basic requirements to be, uh, you know, playing at this level of hockey. And I think, unfortunately, Thompson hasn't really been able to keep up as much these days. I'm not going to be super mad about it because, to me, fourth-line centers, you know, unless they're playing, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, 20 minutes a night it's probably not going to be that big of a deal if he gets a lot of pk time that's where i start to worry a bit just because our penalty kill ain't great and we've had issues with that before but otherwise you know it is what it is uh hopefully thompson finds success here and can be at least a capable nhl or of some sort who knows if that's going to be the case but i'm not going to get angry about it it is what it is i mean paul maurice likes these kinds of players and at least he's a really strong character it seems like Speaking of veterans and perhaps some younger prospects, in a little bit we'll talk about a couple of World Junior highlights and what I think of Vili Heinola, Henry Nikonin, and of course the all-important Cole Perfetti from Team Canada. Before then though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the recent relaunch of Bilt Bar. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know I'm a big fan of Bilt Bar. If you've never had one, they're a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a soft, chewy interior and a dark chocolate exterior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie. Those two are my favorites, but if you can't really decide and want to get a bit of a sampling, be sure to check out the variety box. Like any great company, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back in better than ever with a brand new and even more delicious Built Bar, including six new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If those flavors make your mouth water, and face it, who wouldn't be foaming at the mouth for those? Then you'll be even happier to know that, as good as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you, with most clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 15 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, when you're checking out at BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode talking a little bit about the World Juniors, and it's been very eventful if you're a Jets fan or a Team Canada slash Team Finland fan. Just a little bit ago, Team Canada beat Team Russia to advance to the finals and, and compete for gold, which of course is pretty much expected. I think most people thought Team Canada was going to be the favorite for this tournament, and well, they really haven't disappointed so far. Cole Perfetti, though, you might say has been a little bit underwhelming. He actually did record a nice goal today, but I think a lot of people were feeling like he would have a more breakout tournament, and it just really hasn't been that way. There have been some interesting observations from people who have been following him shift by shift. I haven't been able to catch all of the games, but he definitely doesn't look like he has as swift of a stride and that he tends to run out of energy during his shifts, which 
because he's added a lot of upper body strength, it could be one of the reasons why he's fatiguing you know, quickly and a little bit faster than he did when he was in juniors. Obviously, when you add that extra musculature, it does tax your respiratory system quite a bit more, and you start consuming a lot more energy, which he might not really be caught up to yet. As he's still growing up and maturing physically, you know, that energy consumption is going to take time to catch up, especially as he's training and trying to match um, his respiratory system uh, and, and all of his stamina to where his uh, his strength and frame is. All of this is to say that it means Cole Perfetti's probably not ready for NHL duty yet. He does need additional physical conditioning and training to get up to speed, and once he's there, I think then you can start to give him a little bit more of a run out, probably in the AHL or the NHL. Although it does sound like the AHL may not be an option because of like some draft and age eligibility issues that seem to have popped up recently. So I don't know where Perfetti is going to end up. I, I don't think that the OHL is really going to have a season this year. So yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen with Cole. He does need some pro time somewhere. Uh, maybe he can find something overseas if they can't find an option here in North America. But I, I think once he's a little bit more comfortable and, and kind of matches his stamina to his frame, I think he'll be fine. It's just going to take a little bit to get there. As far as the other prospects are concerned, Henri Nikonen has been pretty decent. I think what we see with him is like a really capable middle six center. I think that that's his best role. He's very industrious. He seems to get into those really dangerous areas near the net. And even though he doesn't have like an insane release or like outstanding passing, he just seems to be a general pest but he has enough hand-eye coordination to be a bit of a net front nuisance. Heinola right now is currently playing against Team USA and has probably been Finland's, you know, top one or two players. He's just so good at calmly leading breakouts, creating counters, uh, correcting mistakes that his teammates make, cleaning up after them and corralling loose passes. I don't know, man. This kid is just so pro-ready that it's crazy. The way that he has so much maturity and calmness under serious pressure to navigate these really dicey situations, it's really impressive. And sure, while he still is working out different things like odd man situations and whatnot, I mean, I don't know, man, Heinola is just amazing. And he does actually have an assist on the night on the power play, a really nice uh, give-and-go sequence where he passed from the point after taking a shot earlier in the power play that almost went in. He he really needs NHL reps. I mean, this kid is just so special, and I feel like he's going to be one of the best defenders the Jets have ever drafted. I think he's a really good kid. I think he's very smart, and I think the way that he's able to really move around space and create space for his teammates makes him an exceptional threat at all situations. I literally cannot wait for him to be an NHL regular as soon as humanly possible. We'll see how Finland fares throughout the rest of the game. I'll give you some thoughts tomorrow, including some wrap-ups from the rest of the tournament. The final will be later this week, and of course I'll tell you about that, including some you know, additional closing thoughts on which Jets maybe impressed me most and which prospects still need some work. That is, however, going to do it for tonight's episode. Stay tuned throughout the week for more NHL season preview coverage, and be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National podcast, which is currently starting an NHL season preview series. This week on the Locked On NHL podcast, get ready for the start of the regular season with Sarah Avampato of Locked On Kings and the Locked On NHL season preview series. Previews of all 31 teams, division by division, and who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues courtesy of Locked on Fantasy Hockey, hosted by Scott Cullen, will be available starting today, January 4th. Subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and as always, thanks so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!